Good morning and welcome to the first Fuzzy Logic show of 2017. That's right, we're, we're starting a new year. We've got plenty of science to talk about today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're listening live, then congratulations. You managed to get through New Year's Eve uh, with, with little incident. Uh, but if you're listening on our podcast, then you're probably well into 2017. I hope it's, I hope it's looking good uh, from, from the other side of of the new year Uh, we're pre-recording this it's still 2016 in fact uh you know starting with some sad news carrie fisher has passed away and i think it's probably not news by the time this goes live though no but but it's affected us a lot today um my name's my name's eleanor and i'm in the studio with mitchell hi how we going and how's the new year happy birthday to me oh mitchell mitchell's birthday is well, Mitchell, tell everyone what your New Year's resolution is going to be. My New Year's resolution is to be, I don't want to say my age on the radio, I'm going to be 27 all year this wow. year. That's all my year. That's all year. Starting from the first day of the year all the way through to the end. I'm going to be 27 all year. I'm going to stick to it. Look, if you if you too can, can stick to that level of resolution, yep. uh, I'm very impressed. Uh, so happy birthday to Mitchell and happy birthday to 2017. Yep. Uh, it's going <laughs> to be the only birthday it's ever going to get. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh. no, it's going to be a good year. We're going to we're going to have a good one. Um, New Year's resolutions are an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people make them. Yep. And very few people keep them. Yeah. You got to set them to 1080p. That's what you got to do. Oh, that's uh, a resolution, Joe. Yeah. Resolutions. Wow. This is we're off to a flying start yep. here on Fuzzy Logic. It's a great year. Guys, if this is going to be the tone of the year, <laughs> get excited yep. is what I have to say. <laughs> force, really force that enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of psychology about New Year's resolutions. Is That's there? That's what I wanted to start with. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, about 50% of adults apparently make them. Okay. I don't know how many children make them. <laughs> that's. I think that's another study. There's funding there. Yeah, yeah. okay. So if you want to send us some money to interview yeah. kids about... <laughs> New Year's anyway, resolutions, yeah. Uh, about 50% of adults make them and only 10%, maybe even less, actually keep them for longer than a couple of months. Yeah, okay. Uh, and they've done what's quite the, a lot of... What's the drop-off rate like? Look, I don't I don't know strictly what how quickly the resolutions peter off, but there are some factors that will ter- will determine how quickly uh, or how, how successful you're going to be with your resolutions. Uh, so this is from an old conversation article that came out this time last year, so the very start of 2016, uh, and they talked about the SMART resolution, and this is sort of backed up by psychology. So SMART, all capital letters, it's an acronym, a proper one, Ah. not an initialism. Uh, Your resolutions have to be specific. Yep. They have to be measurable. Yep. They have to be achievable. Yep. They have to be realistic. Yep. And they have to be time-bound. Okay. So if you say, I'm not going to go on Facebook as much this year, you're well, not going to achieve really, that. really, really vague. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can think that all you wish. I'm going to limit my Facebook time to one hour a day. Yes. Four. That's, that's, yeah. And you say for a month and see how yeah, I'm going. Okay. And that way you have an end in sight. You have a goal. You have a measurable mm. system. Uh, and you can, you can try and stick to resolutions in that sense. So if you are going to resolve to start going to the gym or, mm. um, you know. Eat less crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you probably, yeah. Eat less junk food. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then that's, yeah, you, you're going to have to quantify that in a way that's actually going to mesh with how humans process habit. Yeah. And and we can't, we're not very good at dealing with the vague. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. So that's, that's a little bit of science on how to start off your new year if you're making resolutions. I think time bound is the most interesting one for me. Yeah. That's not something that I've ever come across mm. with resolutions before, like for a month or... Whatever it is. Well, see, if you say yeah. it's it's for a month, 
it's likely that you you see that as being achievable so the a and smart mm. but then you also uh will spend that month building a habit so if your habit is going to be i only go on facebook you know at six o'clock every evening um and then at seven o'clock i switch it off and that's it done yep. uh and you do that every day for a month then you are building that habit without necessarily making it an unachievable goal yeah so by the time it gets to the end of the month you might be pretty chill with continuing yeah. with it yeah i like that that's Brains. that's cool yeah that's how they mm. work brain and tricky that's weird pretty things cool. yeah. we're so it's a new year yep we're going to talk about things that process in cycles. Cycles, like years do. Mm. Years years are the ultimate cycle. Mm-hmm. So we, we put a lot of emphasis on the idea of the Gregorian year. Yep. Uh, everyone's been whinging about how awful 2016 was. Yep. Um, and I almost guarantee by the end of next year, they'll be whinging about 2017. Yeah, probably. But there's always this sense that a new year means a new start. And it's all this idea of it's a all cycle. fresh and new and beginnings. and yep. How much do you know about the Gregorian calendar, Mitchell? Um, well, it was written by Gregor. <laughs> Good old Gregor. Yeah, no, it replaced the Julian calendar. Yeah, it was yeah. A, it was a little update on the Julian calendar. So it was during the uh, rule, the rule. I don't know if the Pope's rule. Uh, the... I, I reckon if you asked a Pope, they would say that they do. Yeah, Pope's Pope's rule and <laughs> and they throw the the devil horns and Protestants drool. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth. Yep. So he, he didn't make the calendar, it was the, just he was, was he, in charge. Was he the 13th Pope or the 13th Gregory? I think I think he was the 13th Gregory. Okay. Just ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was really coming into fashion in, yeah. in what, 1582, in yeah, fact. Okay. So the Julian calendar had been used since, golly, 46 BC. Yeah, wow. Which is a long, long time yeah. for a calendar to be, be, to be being used. Um, but it had some issues. So one of the big things was that, like everything... Uh, centered around christianity yep easter kept wandering away yep so as it does so easter was was determined by the um vernal equinox yep so down in in the southern hemisphere that's the autumnal equinox yep. so the the time during autumn where the day and night are equal okay. length there's not vernon's equinox yep. no yep. um and that was the time when uh where it's the Easter day the was... year. Sorry, it's the day in the year when the Vernon is the longest. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I had to. I couldn't help it. Is Vernon a friend of yours? Oh, I was thinking of um, Uncle Vernon, honestly. Oh, of course. Yeah. When he's at peak mustache or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, that's, a, that's a reference for you there. Yeah. Um, the Vernal Equinox is when Easter was. Yep. But they started to notice that Easter was sort of drifting a little bit. And the reason it was drifting is because... Uh, while there were such a thing as leap years, yep. they weren't being accounted for quite correctly. Okay. So the the tropical year, as it's called, that's the actual length of the year when you're measuring the sun going around from like uh, winter solstice to winter solstice, for example. Yep. So it's a seasonal year. Yep. Um, that's 365.25 days long. Yep. Which means that we accumulate a extra quarter days. Of a day, yeah. Every four years. Yep. So we add a day every four years. Still, that's the that's leap, your, your leap years. Yeah, your yeah. leap year. But that's actually overestimating it slightly. The Gregorian calendar basically sought to correct this slight overestimation. Yep. So the rule was every year that is exactly divisible by four is a leap year. Right? Okay. Except for years that are exactly divisible by 100. Okay. But these years are leap years if they are exactly divisible by 400. Wow. Who, <laughs> who keeps track of this? Oh, just, 
just enthusiasts. Okay. Just year enthusiasts. I guess um, I guess the people that make the calendars are probably going to be year enthusiasts. Exactly. Yeah. So, for example, the years 1700, 1800, and 1900 were not leap years yep. because they were divisible by 100 but not by 400. Yep. Whereas the years 1600 and 2000 were leap years. Okay. So, year 2000, which we all... I was there, yep. Yeah, I was there. It was good. Saw that. Um, that was a leap year because it was divisible by 400. 400. Whereas if it wasn't divisible by 400, but was divisible by 100, it wouldn't have been a leap year. Okay. Yeah. So that means that when we get to twenty, the year 2100, then it's not, not going to be, be a leap, leap year. year. Exactly. I hope I'm th- there to see that. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good luck to you. Yeah. Everyone knows how old you are now. Yeah. They can, they can, they can, figure, they out can how... figure out how unlikely that is. So over a period of four centuries, the accumulated error of adding a leap day every four years amounts to about three extra days. The Gregorian calendar therefore removes three leap days every 400 years. So that is the length of a leap cycle. Okay. So we have our yearly cycle. We have our sort of small leap cycle every four four years. But we actually have a much larger cycle of 400 years per leap cycle. That's pretty cool. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I think we should go to a song. What do you reckon? Sounds good. All right. This is Kong by Bonobo. We're going to keep the music nice and chill to lull everyone back into 2017. Yeah. Are uh, you listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on X? That was Kong by Bonobo. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on X with me, Eleanor, and with my loyal co-host, Mitchell. Hey, how are we going? Uh, whose birthday it is. Yeah. Happy birthday to me. Uh, he's going to be his age all year. Yep. Uh, that's my that's my New Year's resolution. And if you are making New Year's resolutions, remember to be smart, smart. about them. Mm. Um, that is, make them make them achievable. Don't don't resolve to I don't know go to Mars this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I want to go to Mars. Well, don't do it this year. Oh. it's going to be tough. I'm, I am not a robot. We're talking yeah, on. We were also talking about calendars and cycles. And yeah. That's a really little tweak for Gregor to get a whole calendar named after him. Yeah, Gregor... Gregor, Gregor wasn't a person. <laughs> what, what was his actual name again? Sorry. Well, it was Pope Gregory who was the Pope at the time. Yeah, okay. But it was a guy called Aloysius someone. Oh. Um, so I got to get I got to be the Pope and get stuff named after yeah, him. Yeah, you've got to... And, and he just tweaked the Julian calendar a little bit. Yeah. And then the Pope got the name of the calendar. So that's why we have a Gregorian calendar to yeah. account for, for the 400 yearly leap cycle 400 seems like 400 seems like a long 400 years is a long cycle you think that's a long cycle wouldn't you mitchell but there are some longer cycles i think there are a few longer cycles that do affect earth in in pretty massive ways yeah like the malinkovich cycles they're pretty fun the malinkovich cycles so you're the one who sort of alerted me to these cycles yeah they're pretty cool they're they're kind of they're long range changes in climate okay um for Earth, funnily enough. And other planets get them as well. Sure. Um, but there's, there's three of them. There's these three Milinkovitch cycles that are based on the way the Earth orbits the sun. Okay. Um, you, so you, everybody everybody knows that the Earth has an axis. Yep, so the yep. Earth spins on its axis. It's tilted on its axis. It doesn't spin perfectly. So it's And that axis is how we get the seasons. Okay. So uh, in summer where the southern hemisphere is tilted a bit closer to the sun mm-hmm. because of that spin on axis uh and one of the one of the one of the milinkovitch cycles is that that tilt that axial tilt isn't constant it tilts a little bit between i think it's 22.1 degrees and 24.5 degrees and back again 
back and forth and back and forth in these cycles. So a lot of planets have this sort of axial precession. And the way way you can kind of visualize it is by thinking about like a spinning top or something like that. So the spinning top is, is spinning around its axis. But if you imagine the axis wobbling... It traces out sort of a cone shape. Uh, then uh, now that's precession. That's a different. Oh, one. that's precession. That's, that's the wobble. Okay. So the axial tilt one happens every forty-one thousand years. Oh golly. Okay. So that's, that's a, a long cycle. That's a little bit more than four thousand years. Yeah. The precession is a shorter one. Okay. So that's the that's that wobble when you get your spinning top that's starting to slow down and it does that weird weird wobbly thing. Okay. That's only twenty-six thousand years. Oh, okay. So that's a quick one. Um, and that's <laughs> caused. By tidal forces from the sun and the moon mm-hmm. in ways that I don't completely understand because I'm not an astrophysicist or an astro-anything, really. <laughs> um, so I'm going to struggle to get to Mars. Um, yeah, so I've got it here that Earth goes through one complete process- processional procession. cycle. That's your wobbles, yeah. Um, in a period of 26,000 years. So that's yep. about one degree of wobble every 72 years. And so wow. they can actually yeah. determine that by looking at the position of our north axial pole relative to the stars. Yeah. Um, so looking at Polaris, the, the north star, mm. um, and identifying how many degrees off we are based on those observations. And you've actually got one other cycle. Okay. What's the other cycle? The other cycle is eccentricity. Mm, that's a fun yeah. cycle. Eccentric- eccentricity is a fun thing. But so we all, we, everybody knows that the Earth orbits the sun, right? That's that's not a. I think that's pretty established. Yeah, uh, but we don't do it in a perfect circle. No, it's a bit of an ellipse. It's a bit of a, an oval shape. Sure. And that oval shape has a bit of a bend and a stretch in it. Mm-hmm. So over a cycle of, I think it's closer to a hundred thousand years. Yeah, it's it's about a hundred thousand years that that orbit gets a little bit rounder, mm. and then it gets a little bit more elliptical in this one thousand year cycle, and so you end up with these periods where. Between all the three of them, you get these weird warming and cooling cycles that all start to sync up and then desync up, and you get all this weird long-range climate change stuff happening. So you've basically got three uh, component changes all contributing to one big cycle. Yep. And so the, the I think the the maths sort of says that this basically results in a 41,000-year climate cycle. Yeah, so the forty-one thousand year one is the is the axial tilt one. Okay, um, which has the biggest which has the biggest impact on your seasons. Sure. So when the tilt is higher, you're going to have hotter summers and colder winters. Yeah. Uh, and when it's lower, you're going to have more even seasons. Okay. Uh, and I think I think honestly, from what I've from what I know about them, I think the axial tilt is going to have your biggest impact on your on your climate yeah. i'm not sure well um, so they've done they've done a lot of sort of experimental stuff to try and verify whether this theory uh these milenkovich cycles are accurate yep uh and the way they do this is by drilling cores so going up to the antarctic down, oh, to, down the, to the antarctic hey, well you, if you if you go up far enough you'll come back around yeah is that how it works eventually if you go up, you'll come if back. you take the yeah. long way to the antarctic yeah. you're going up yep uh and then down just go down, it's quicker. It is a lot, yeah. so much faster. Just go to the Antarctic. There's a lot less to see on the way, though. True. Yep. Um, drill a core down into the ice. Yep. Basically, people uh, can analyze the ratio of oxygen and nitrogen in the little air bubbles trapped in that core. Yep. So these layers of ice represent however many thousands of years. Hundreds of, of thousands of years. Hundreds yeah. of thousands of years. It's a of lot of ice. Depositing ice. And obviously, the air trapped in that ice is going to be kind of indicative of what the atmosphere was like 
at the time when that ice froze. So you get kind of a fossil record of atmosphere and they can determine factors about the climate from observing those. And the same with the sea floor. Yep. They can go down and look at deposition of things in the seafloor. Marine floor. sediments and stuff and yeah. look at uh, the plankton. Because you get different plankton that do better in different conditions and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, And so that, that all seems to kind of support this Milankovitch cycle idea, yep. um, particularly that axial tilt one, that 41,000-year cycle. But it doesn't explain the 100,000-year problem. Have you heard about this? I haven't heard of the 100,000-year problem, no. All right. So there's this thing called the 100,000-year problem, which is that for the last million years, yep. every 100,000 years, there has been an Ice Age event. Yep. So that's that's sort of the, the procession of the cycle of our Ice Ages. Yep. But before a million years ago, the Ice Ages were happening every 41,000 years. Okay. So something changed. Yeah, that's a bit weird. About a million years ago that changed the cycle of Ice Ages from happening once every 41,000, which matched the Milankovitch cycle and the axial tilt. Yep. Colder winters, maybe enough to, to kickstart an ice age. Get your glaciers going, yep. And then it changed to being every 100,000 years. Okay. And there are a few theories as to why this might have happened. Can I posit one? Oh, please do. Time-travelling geologists trying to go back and figure out what changed the Milankovitch cycles. Awesome. So there you go. geologists went back in time to figure it out and, and somehow kick-started it. it all up. I, yeah. I'd watch that movie. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to work on production of that film during 2017. Yep. Um, one of, the, one of the theories is internal feedback loops in yep. Earth's atmosphere. Yep. So one of the ideas is that Earth has basically a resonant frequency of its own and it's at a 100,000-year frequency. Yep. And so, um, and this periodicity is, is brought on by tectonic plates shifting, by seafloor spreading, by things like that. And a million years ago, the resonance basically changed based on where the plates were yep. and introduced this 100,000-year cycle. Okay. So that's one theory. Um, another one is solar luminosity. So the idea that the sun how actually... Hot, how, how bright the sun is. Exactly. Yeah. So people trying to tie this 100,000-year cycle to um, effects in the sun. Yep. That one has sort of been debunked because they've been doing some spectral analysis of the sun by looking at isotopes of helium. Yep. And the observations apparently don't match up necessarily with that same cycle. And that's that's one of the fun things about good science as well. Sometimes you just get to throw out these ideas and nobody you don't get any credit for it because you didn't discover anything. Exactly. Yeah. You're just like, oh, just that's like, probably not a thing. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah. yeah. This is this is another problem of its own negative results. Yeah. They're vitally important, but they're not flashy. That's it. Yeah. Um, one of the other leading theories or, or sort of a theory that might describe this 100-year, 100,000-year cycle yep. is the sudden introduction and flourishing of life. So particularly photosynthesis, basically altering... Was, was there a big ch- change then? Well, this is what I wanted to ask you because you know a lot about life a million yeah. years ago. What, would anything have happened a million years ago that would have perhaps altered the atmosphere in a way that could have... People? That's people? about it. Like you got the arrival of modern humans. Mm. Um, deforestation and land management is a thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's like... Photosynthesis, I can't imagine that much would have changed in that time. Um, Maybe it was a cumulative thing and it just happened to could have click been. over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one thing people are talking about. And you brought up an interesting point that people kind of rocked up. People. And we, we know what people are good at. We're good at messing stuff up. We really are. So this whole thing about the Milankovitch cycles, you were saying yeah, that is sometimes... One of, the, one of the big things that you hear about Milankovitch cycles being posited for is... 
oh, global warming? No, it's not anthropogenic. No, not at all. It's just, ah, oh, it's Milenkovitch cycles is what it is. Oh, it's definitely Milenkovitch cycles. You should buy more petrol. It's Milenkovitch cycles. Don't worry about it. It's, it's just Milenkovitch cycles. <laughs> and, so, um, and so that is the voice of big oil. That's it, yeah. yeah. There was a paper that came out uh, last year mm. that was positing Milenkovitch cycles as being the cause of recent warming trends. Uh, it was done by a group of Dutch scientists and paid for by a uh, Chinese petroleum company. Excellent. Always check yeah. who's paying for your research. That's if you're it. reading a paper, uh, double check who's paying for it because, hey, there's a lot of uh, um, incentive to find what the company giving you millions of dollars that's wants you to find. That's it, yeah. Um, and interestingly, the the sort of consensus is that we are, in fact, in a cooling phase in a Milenkovitch cycle at the moment. Yep. So actually things should be... The fact that be... it's warming is really scary. Yeah, so the cooling trend was reversed in the 20th and 21st centuries due to warming caused by increased anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. Science. Science. So please stop. Stop. Yep. Stop claiming Milenkovitch cycles as your... Your as your scapegoat for yep. global warming because it's the opposite it's not they're that. meant to be getting colder and we're not we're not 2017 stop driving everywhere yeah stop being a big oil company if That's, you're listening yeah big big oil people just, don't don't be that just don't don't do the yep. thing anymore because yeah. do you know what my one of my favorite scary things about global warming is eleanor um what what it's, is it it's sort of topical okay so where does santa live oh no at the North Pole, yeah. right? Yeah. What's what's at, what's at the North Pole? A lot of ice. It's a lot of ice. If Santa's workshop is on the North Pole, he's sitting on sea ice. Mm. And if that all melts, then Santa's workshop is going to sink to the bottom of the ocean and nobody's going to get any presents anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No one's going to get any presents. And also, the world will end. Yep. Um, I hope those elves know how to swim. Yeah. There are a lot of countries sinking. That's probably a topic for another show. <laughs> That's a topic um, for another show. But let's just say I get in a lot of trouble from my beautiful Maldivian friends um, <laughs> because the Maldives oh, are sinking no. and Australia is doing very no, little to, about it. to reduce our carbon emissions. So, hey, write to your local member of parliament, parliament about yeah. it. And, and Local politician. Yeah. Look, your, we're local, gonna, your local rep. We're going to go to a song. Um, to try and lift the mood again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's an important topic to discuss, especially going into uh, 2017, a new year. New year. Resolve to use less hydrocarbons. New beginnings. Yes. Yep. Uh, so this is this is a nice little instrumental that hopefully will cheer you up. It's called No Dogs on the Moon by Griffin McElroy. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on 2XX. That was... No Dogs on the Moon by Griffin McElroy. And we're not going to lie, that is from the soundtrack to a D&D podcast that we are moderately obsessed with. Yeah, we both really enjoy. So, you know, if you're into Dungeons and Dragons, um, let's plug the Adventure Zone for, for lovely Griffin. Yeah. Because the music's great. And it is really good. It's a lot better than thinking about climate change. It is, yeah. It's way more relaxing. Um, and if you're getting into it for the first time, start at one of the later arcs, like pedal, Petals to the Metal or something like that, instead yeah. of starting from the beginning where they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Always yeah. always go for the middle of a podcast. If, yeah. you're, if you're starting, if you're d- delving into podcasts, start sort of at episode 100. Begin, begin <laughs> at the middle. Yeah. That's always the best place. Um, but it's completely beside the point. We're talking about the science of cycles here at Fuzzy Logic today because it's a new year. Uh, humans have decided that we're going to base our lives around months and seasons and cycles, probably because Earth has decided that that's what it's going to do. Yeah, because uh, we need food to live and you got to grow food to live and the Earth is like, hey, here's, here's your stuff that you need. This is the best time to start growing food. Yeah, not, not today. And stuff. Well, not today, no. But 
you know, look look that up. Yep. When it's best to grow food. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, we'll do that's that's another episode for another day. Yeah, we'll do yeah. a how to grow your own food episode. <laughs> the science of the science of produce ag- agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good science. But we're talking about cycles. So we've talked yep. a bit about the year and Gregorian calendar and then Milenkovitch cycles which are quite a bit longer. Quite a bit longer. 41,000 years for the the main sort of climate affecting one. Yep. Um, don't let anyone tell you that the earth is warming because of Milenkovitch cycles because we're actually in a cooling phase at the moment. So there's nowhere to hide. It's all your fault. Yep. Um, big oil. <laughs> That's who yeah. we're talking to. Um, but one of the other things that we mentioned in the last link talking about Milenkovitch cycles is the idea of the sun uh, going through phases of being brighter and less bright and hotter and less hot. Um, so I want to talk a bit about solar cycles. Okay. Because yeah, the sun, cool. we kind of just take it for granted that it's always there doing yeah. its thing. It's a massive... Wait, the sun is a mass of... Incandescent gas. Incandescent gas, that's it, yeah. Gigantic nuclear furnace. Yeah, where hydrogen is built into helium. At temperatures of millions of degrees. Bum, bum. Um, yeah, get into... They might be giants as well. You're just plugging everything this, oh, yeah. this episode. It's I good. think it's just a good time to get into some joyful yeah. distractions. It's very happy music. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll play that another time. It's very good. So, solar cycles. Mitchell, have a guess at what the length of our sun's solar cycle is. Are you talking about like a seasonal thing for the sun or as in how long it takes the sun to happen so <laughs> like the life the life cycle of a star not the life cycle of the sun because that would be sort of without that would be outside the realms of people really caring i think because that's gonna be like nine billion years i think it's pretty big yeah uh no more about so there are fluctuations in solar radiation okay in the ejection of solar material yeah like so those cool spewy things that yep. you see in all the pictures from nasa solar flares yeah that's it one of the other things is um the number and size of sunspots yep i've heard so of them. the big sort of um i guess big blotches areas. yeah the blotches that are essentially regions of different solar energy on mm. the sun nobody's invented star foundation yet yeah oh okay like makeup for covering up sure. the blotches yeah right your blotches a beautiful sun don't change it yeah um what's the cycle of those phenomenon peaking and then diminishing and then peaking again I want to say something crazy like hours. Oh, no, that's interesting. Yeah, no? It's not. It's not? Is it hundreds of thousands of years? No. Is it? This is a great game. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Solar flares. Uh, hang on. I When electricity was first going up, there was one back in like Edison and Tesla's day or something, wasn't there? Is okay. it? Is it like hundreds of years? No, it's actually 11 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. From From minimum to minimum in solar activity... Yep. We have an 11-year cycle, okay, which is um, a really nice length cycle for us to be able to study because you can get a few in in a lifetime, yeah. Um, hopefully, and you can... Most most astrophysicists live for more than 11 years. Exactly. Yeah. Although some of the astrophysicists I know are, you know, 12, 13. They haven't, <laughs> they haven't really gotten... They've only seen one cycle yeah. and they weren't even, you know... They're very accomplished young people, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the solar cycle was discovered in 1843 by Samuel Heinrich Schwab. That's I'm probably good, saying that wrong. That's a good name. But that's how I'm going to say it. Yep. Because I like it. Henry? Samuel Heinrich. Samuel, Samuel Heinrich. Sam, Schwab. Sammy Roy. Yep. Yes. Um, he basically looked at the sun for 17 years, which is far too long. That's a very long time. Did, oh, no, he, hurt, he, did he hurt his eyes? He took observations of the sun. Okay. He noticed a periodic variation in the average number of sunspots. So people have been monitoring sunspots back since Since, galileo yeah so galileo was the first kind of person to start recording that there were sunspots that's pretty cool um and samuel heinrich schwab 
noticed a pattern over 17 years of the sunspot's frequency and size increasing and decreasing. He then just undertook this massive project. Um, well, he, he, his observations were incorporated into a massive project by this guy called Rudolf Wolf. It's another good name. Yeah. Mm, it's he, two animals. It's a great name. He, Rudolf Wolf. Oh, wait, it's a reindeer, not a Rudolf. Yep, sorry. Anyway. It's a reindeer wolf. Reindeer wolf. Yep. Christmas. Uh, he basically took all these observations and all the other observations that had been done yep. right back to um, the early 17th century when Galileo was looking at the sun. Sun. And was able to determine this 11-year cycle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it filled in all the, the previous data that was observed and it incorporated the results of the day as well. It's one of the great nice. things about just collecting data is somebody will find some weird use for it later on probably. Yeah, look, if, you've, if you're noticing something interesting in your backyard, just, just write down write what's down. happening. Yeah. One day some guy like Rudolf Wolf is going to... Go, oh, wow. This, this is wealth. This, this really boring journal is actually really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we are currently in cycle 24. Okay, since it was first recorded? I think no. since... Because since, um, 1700, that's not 24. No, exactly. No. Uh, so I'm not sure why we've, we've designated it 24. It might be since we started very accurately recording them. Okay. Um, because we know it started on January 4th, 2008. So that's how accurate the cycle is now. Okay, okay. So yep. it's it's due to finish in 2019. Yep. Um, so get ready for a cycle 25 party. And we'll throw a great big... Yeah, I was going to say throw yeah. a great big party. Um, but solar cycles affect a lot of different aspects of Earth life Yep. Um, in really weird ways, actually. Okay. So they affect how clouds form, like your standard rain clouds. Huh. That's affected by cosmic radiation. So in a solar minima, when there's less solar activity and less solar radiation, we get hit by more cosmic rays. Yep. Okay. Cosmic rays ionize the atmosphere. Yep. Um, and in the case of lots of them reaching, we basically observe very very tiny particles forming as a result yep like so this is the nucleation of clouds yeah okay. so clouds form because there's there's stuff something in the atmosphere yeah this, for, it for to those water around. to condense on like dust or whatever exactly yeah. so when you've got the atmosphere ionized in a particular way it's more likely you're going to get lots of tiny particles rather than a few big particles yeah okay so apparently clouds that form during a solar minima are brighter i guess they're sort of it's weird. more vibrant looking. Yeah, okay. Um, they last longer. Yep. And they are less likely to precipitate. So we actually see the solar cycle affecting precipitation on Earth, which is kind of cool. So they make prettier, less useful clouds. Yeah. Huh. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I like it. So one of the other things is the amount of UV that's able to reach Earth. Yeah, that follows. So... In the stratosphere, ozone is continuously regenerated by the splitting of oxygen molecules by ultraviolet light. During solar minimum, the decrease in ultraviolet light received from the sun leads to a decrease in the concentration of ozone because less ozone is being made. Yep. So we actually get increased UVB reaching Earth's surface. Huh. Okay. Yeah. UVB is good for turtle shells. Oh. Huh. Well, I, I oh, my yeah. turtle has like UVB for, lights. You do, yeah, yeah, for your reptiles and stuff. If yeah, you're, if you're a keen herper, you need to you have, you... provide UVB. Yeah, for yeah. your reptiles. Yeah, so that's that's another one. Um, one of the other interesting facts is aurora. Yep. So aurora australis, aurora oh, borealis. Yeah. You'll get fluctuations in the likelihood of that happening, and that's, that's all. The, that's the cosmic rays interacting with the magnetic. Exactly. Magnetic so that's going to happen on an 11-year cycle as well. When? So when's the maximum? So it's usually designated from minimum to minimum. So okay. the so minimum was right 2008. 
the next minimum is 2019. So I think we've been past a maximum. Okay. So we did actually have a year of quite a lot of quite a lot of auroras, aurora like, yeah. that sort of went interestingly far south yeah. in, in the northern hemisphere and quite north in the southern hemisphere. Yeah, got to pay attention to the my next one. mum reckons, or someone on, the, on my mum's side of the family, yep. reckons that you used to be able to see the aurora australis at the farm where they grew up and their farm is in yeah southern queensland it's right on the border that's crazy so apparently back in the day they 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 have seen it once so i've so i've been told it's a family legend maybe it's something to do with light pollution as well yeah maybe um that's pretty crazy because i mean they've been on that farm for generations so it would have been a long time ago i imagine a lot of data a lot of data yeah just they've written it down somewhere yeah so anyway that's quite cool uh, the other thing is that a lot of people bring up solar variation in terms of, oh, climate change is yeah, not a thing. It's just the sun. It's just mm. the sun is warmer and it'll get cooler again. But yeah, actually, um, the current scientific consensus is that solar variations do play a smaller role in driving global warming, but the magnitude of it is so tiny as to be like insignificant yeah. when compared to greenhouse gas emissions yeah. and the effects that they have. I like how this became a global warming episode. Yeah. Yeah. Solar activity in the 2010s was not higher than in the 1950s, whereas global warming has rised markedly. So yes, debunking global warming here on... No, wait, no, we're not debunking global warming. (laughs) We're debunking the debunkers. We're debunking debunkers. Ah, who's debunked now? I bet that's going to get taken out of context one Uh, day. Probably. Um, Probably by me. Probably. Oh, no. Remember that time Eleanor said she didn't believe in global warming? Yeah. I have it recorded. make Make it my message tone. So... We've been talking about cycles yep. and the solar cycle is a nice 11 year one. Yep. Uh, we mentioned the aurora being tied in with the magnetic field. Mm-hmm. There's something cool that happens to the magnetic fields, but we haven't quite pinned down if it's a cycle or not. Oh, is this when the poles switch? This is when the poles switch. That's pretty cool. It is kind of cool. Is, yeah. Do they, how does that, how does that work? Well, no one really knows how or why it happens. They just know that it does happen. And okay. it seems to happen kind of without a, a, a cycle, a without, cyclical pattern. Without precedent. Yeah. So basically what happened is people were doing some excavating and doing some geology. Yeah. And they found some basically magnetic material, so know, an iron of some sort. I know about this. It's You get it in the ocean crust mm. and you get magnetic. When you get, when you get uh, volcanic rock forming, mm. uh, as that... As that magma or lava is cooling all your little iron iron uh atoms Mm. will line up with the magnetic poles same as your compass it's basically a compass that's set in stone yes and you'll have them all pointing the one way and then in another rock sample you'll have them all pointing the other way the exact opposite way yeah so people basically discovered a, a section of this this rock this volcanic rock that indicated that what are currently our north and south magnetic poles, which are our north and south geographical poles, yep. were once completely the opposite. Yeah. Uh, so the south, the southern magnetic pole was at, at the north. Santa's house. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah. Antarctica had our north magnetic pole. Yeah. Um, and so basically we know that the Earth's magnetic field can just flip. Yep. Just, I'm sick of this, flip. Yeah. And so the period between the flips are called crons which is quite cool that's a yeah yeah so you can have subcrons and supercrons um mm. supercrons are obviously like periods of time where we go a very very long time without a flip and yep. then subcrons there are 
smaller events where the magnetic um, field flips, but not for a substantial for period a of time. time. Um, such a, that's such a good word. That's a very sci-fi word. It is, isn't yeah. it? But we have no idea yet. We have no sort of concrete idea why it happens. Um, okay. But we also, the other thing that's interesting is we don't have a pattern. Uh, it doesn't seem to happen regularly. Yeah, I do know a bit about this as well because it's something that you can use to track how old your seafloor, your your crustal seafloor rocks are. Okay. Because you end up with like a bar, a random barcode pattern for how long these crons are, mm. and if you can match up your new sample with known uh, a known pattern of your random thicknesses of your crons, you can figure out how old this bit of C4 cl- crust is compared to other known samples. Which is really handy. It's really super handy. So maybe it's just that Earth's throwing us a, a cheat card for figuring out how old rocks are. Yeah, that could be that. So this is this is quite weird. So 72 million years ago, the field so reversed... So mid-Cretaceous. Mm, yep. The field reversed five times over a million years. That's 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 a lot. Um, in a four million period centered about fifty four million years ago. So just after the dinosaurs went extinct. There were ten reversals. Yep. Uh, forty two million years ago there were seventeen reversals in the span of about three million years. Yep. Uh, and then in a period of three million years, about twenty four million years ago, there were thirteen reversals. Two reversals occurred during a span of fifty thousand years, about fifteen million years ago. So. Cool. There's no pattern or logic That's to these so flips. Weird. Um, what, or if one, at least, what if one happens right now and all of our satellites go down and everybody GPSs just lose it? And well, that'd yeah, be so cool. It would be. It'd be interesting. That's for sure. And I think one of the problems with cool the, in a fascinating but not good way. Yes, yeah. cool in a bad way. Cool in a bad way. The bad kind of cool. Yeah. Um, like Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh, he's the bad kind of cool. He is so cool but terrible. Yeah. 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 Whereas Kylo Ren is just lame. Yeah, he's such he's a windy. sap. He is. Yeah. These are these are we're hard hitting. Get yeah. a self help book, man. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're just plugging. <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode of plugs. Yep. Um, go see Star Wars. Why not? Yeah, Rouge One. <laughs> Rouge One. Um, the reason that, well, one of the reasons that we might not know what the pattern is is because it might be on such a large periodicity that we haven't seen it repeat yet. Yeah, okay. So it might be something that I mean it could just be something that's completely random. It could have it could have happened like within historical time but back before anybody was looking at compasses too too yeah. into, like too closely. Or it might be that we need to wait another 50 million years and then we'll see the pattern start to repeat again or something yeah. like that. So it's it's a hard one, but it's it's very interesting. So it's, it's not quite very, a cycle, but it is quite cool. That is quite interesting. And we are into interesting things here on the yeah. Fuzzy Logic Science show. We're going to go to another song. This is called Osaka by Byrocratic. You're listening to Fuzzy Logic on Tudorblex. That was Osaka by Byrocratic. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on Tudorblex. My name's Eleanor, and happy birthday to my uh, lovely co-broadcaster, Mitchell. Hello, my name is Mitchell and it is my birthday. Yes, he is going to be his age all year. All year. Uh, we're talking about cycles because Mitchell is at the start of his new year cycle. yearly cycle. My birthday cycle. His... Takes an, I make a giant cake and it takes me an entire year to eat it. That's my cycle. That's the periodicity of Mitchell's cake cycle. Yep. Um, we've been talking about cycles <laughs> on all sorts of different scales. Uh, Earth going around the sun. Earth wobbling around on its axis in the Milankovitch cycles. Milankovitch cycles. Uh, and solar cycles, the sun uh, 
spewing out solar radiation yeah. on a period of 11 years. It's not one that I'd heard of. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, and we've talked a little bit about something that doesn't seem to have a cycle, which is hmm. the uh, flipping of the magnetic poles. Yeah, magnet stripes. Which is just very cool hmm. and a very useful tool in geology for identifying... How old sea crust rocks are. Yeah. Hmm. But we're going to talk about what is potentially the most important cycle that you can get involved with at home. Oh. We're going to talk about recycling. Recycles. Re- <laughs> recycles. Recycling. Yes. Recycling. Because it's the start of 2017. Yep. And We're recycling last year. <laughs> and we are going to commit to making the world a better place yep. in 2017. Yep. Uh, so big oil companies are going to stop doing the thing they're doing. Um, oh, we'll get we've them. we've decreed that yep. uh, climate change. We're just going to reel that back in. Yep. Uh, and one of the things you can do to help our planet is recycling yep. or supporting companies that are coming up with innovative new tools for reducing our impact. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so seek out ways of of finding materials that aren't going to end up in landfill mm-hmm. or end up in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I think we said specifically the other day we weren't going to talk about today. it's so depressing. it's very depressing. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're going to start combating it. Yep. It's, it's a new year. It's time to resolve to make things better. Yep. So, recycling. Have you heard of a guy called Kevin Kamala? Uh, no. He is super cool. Is he? Yes. He has developed plastic bags. Does he have a koala? You just want to write children's books for a living, don't you? It would be fun. Kevin Kamala and his uh, pet koala. And he's, and he's recycling koala. Oh, you should get in contact with him and, yeah. and pitch this. Yeah. Let me at least tell you what he's done. Okay, he okay. made plastic bags that you can eat. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. So he's made them out of, you know, the, the root vegetable cassava? Oh, yeah, cassava. Isn't that like poisonous if you don't process it right or something? Well, Is that the right one? Well, it's very starchy. Yeah, and So okay. he's extracted yep. the starches from this vegetable. Yep. Um, and used that starch as the basis for making these beautiful sort of translucent green plastic bags. Cool. And there's a video of him floating around on the internet at the moment, which you can find, which is very cool. It's him basically explaining the technology. He takes a bit of this plastic bag that he's made. And um, he eats it. <laughs> not quite. So oh. he, he tears a little bit off. He puts it into a glass of lukewarm water, yep. stirs it around a little bit, and it completely dissolves. Mm. And he has a sort of slightly green drink, and he just drinks it down to demonstrate oh. that it is completely biodegradable. Um, non-toxic because it's made out of this vegetable starch um these these plastic bags will just degrade in the environment naturally or you can dissolve them down and drink them if you need a starch boost that's lovely isn't that cool i want some yeah so he's he's making a big impact um in terms of finding ways to because i mean obviously people aren't going to stop using plastic bags right we've we've tried that yeah um it doesn't seem to be working on a massive scale yeah they're very useful they bags are. are very useful things. Yeah. What um, would we do if we didn't have bags to put a lot of things in? Exactly. Yeah. So let's make bags that um, we can then... Drink. Drink. Um, ah, man. The ultimate way of disposing of them. Yep. Drink. Uh, let's drink all our problems. So that's quite cool. Um, and it kind of sticks to this theme of using materials um, in, in interesting ways. Yeah. So... Do you know what's a bit harder to drink? What's harder to drink? Car tires. I've never succeeded. I've tried. No. It's difficult. That, that's your first problem. <laughs> um... Yeah, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Speaking of cool, cool stuff that came out this year, there's actually a, a startup company called Green Distillation Technologies. That sounds fancy. Doesn't rhyme with an animal. It's no. not good children's you, book you material. You can't write a, children, a charming children's book about no. them. No, um, but they figured out how to turn tires, like car tires, into biofuel. That's insane. Yeah. Do you, how? 
Um, basically, they've got this massive distillation process. They basically, from what I understand them, they melt them back into oil. Mm. Um, and they have a few other waste products that they can then sell on. Okay. Uh, they can turn, they can turn, you know, those ginormous mining trucks yep. that have those enormous tires. Mm-hmm. Um, they can turn one of those seven ton tires into 3000 liters of bio oil. Wow. Yeah. Um, they added it to diesel hmm. and it had no effect on the performance of the engine. Wow. Uh, and it actually reduced the emissions <laughs> um, of that of the output from that engine in uh, one of the nitrogen wastes that you get out of engines, I okay. think, and also particulate matter. Wow. Um, they think they might be able to use this to make high-end jet fuel as well. And it's just like... Hey, we're going to take a whole heap of these tires, chop them up, cram them into this distillation machine, suck all the air out of it and just blast them and turn them back into biofuel. I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's so cool. That's taking such a such a horrible waste product and yeah. turning it into something so valuable. It's like you can have millions of tons of this stuff sitting in landfill. Yeah, exactly. You can just pull out and melt into into biofuel yeah and use it to to power your vehicles because that's another thing it doesn't seem like we're going to stop using vehicles anytime soon so we do need to find other ways of we do vehicling around we do have a huge amount of infrastructure invested in driving cars around yeah yeah which is you know something that we could tackle in another episode Mm. talk about cycling cities up in in Mm. europe and other ways to use cars more efficiently with like self-driving cars and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, there's a whole lot of good stuff going we on. We need to go back and re-listen to this episode and write down all of our ideas for I know. future episodes. This is yeah. going to be great. Yep. Um, there's this other cool thing that's happening. So yep. you remember, maybe you don't, maybe you do, I don't know. Maybe I do. Um, I remember a lot of weird stuff. So back in the day, you used to be able to take your recyclables to a place and you'd get money for them. Don't remember that at all. Okay, so it was like you'd hand in a bottle and I'm, you'd get I'm, 10 cents back. I didn't grow back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 like, my nan used to collect all the aluminium cans and then drive them out to South Australia every so often when she had a trailer full of them. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so it incentivized this idea of, of collecting all of a particular type of material yep. um, and then taking it to a recycling facility, in, like, en masse yep. so that they could then deal with that properly, yep. um, which I guess is kind of been displaced by just having recycling bins and we yeah. but people misuse their recycling bins like there are the recycling bins on my street that have plastic bags full of recyclables in them yeah it's like housemates rookie that era would one. put their recyclables in plastic bags yeah yep. you, they can't recycle things if you put them in plastic bags because they don't have the manpower or the woman power to open every plastic bag to sort out your cans and bottles they yep. do that all with machines so yep. Please, if you take nothing else away from this and episode. all your plastic bags end up caught in the machinery and exactly. destroy it all. It's horrible. So take take the lids off anything you're recycling. Yep, because then um, you don't have the pockets of air inside the bottles. Yep, and also um, your metal lid is going to go to a different place from your glass bottle. So mm-hmm. if you've got like the Dolmio sources and things, yep. take the lids off, put yep. the glass and the lid in separately, um, and don't put stuff in plastic bags. No. But... Vending machines, reverse vending machines in Melbourne. Re- for reverse vending machines. Reverse vending machines in Melbourne. Um, you put cans in it and it gives you money? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. They've been trialing them in one of the suburbs in Melbourne and they've been yep. incredibly successful. So these machines can hold up to a thousand bottles before they need to be emptied. Cool. Um, and they currently they have a, a sort of reward system. So you put the bottles in and you eventually will build up enough points to say, get um, movie tickets or go into a draw to win a bigger prize. Yep. But they're thinking about introducing these things, hopefully in the ACT as well, in the next couple of years. Cool. That just sort of 
dispense coins basically so yeah. you just get money for putting for in parking. recyclables yeah um which is a nice way of kind of modernizing that idea of taking your recyclables to a place you walk past the the um, reverse vending machine put in your used bottle you know you know what you're gonna have what so many kids picking up trash and getting their change exactly you just all your little coins, yeah. Yeah, it really incentivizes going around and, and picking, picking up bottles up and, rubbish. and and keeping your recyclables separate and yeah. d- disposing of them in a way that's environmentally responsible. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's I like that. That's kind of nice. That's that's a nice upbeat little thing. So write to your member of parliament, parliament. and tell yep. them you want reversible vending machines, You're not lo- reversible. Not reversible. <laughs> you turn them inside out and they're a nice, Different they're, they're a nice winter jacket. You want reverse vending <laughs> machines. Yeah, like write, write to your local rep. Yeah. Yep. Just write, just send them a letter. Yeah. They want, they want to hear from you. Have, hope you're having a nice time. Um, also give me fix, a... fix all these problems. Yes. Yep. Or, or help fix all these problems yep. and we will also help. Because yep. 2017, we're going to fix all the problems. New beginnings. It was 2016 last year. It was and that ended up horrible so we're gonna come up with a, a a nice rhyming title for 2017 but not now because we have to go yeah we have to go soon um thank you so much for listening we hope that 2017 um is fantastic for everyone and uh we will be back with more fuzzy logic science throughout the year so please stay tuned we're always going to be on 11 a.m on sundays on 2 x here on 98.3 fm expect to hear all of the cool episode ideas that we came up with today yeah in the future exactly yeah. uh thanks so much Bye. See ya.